Will They Find a Home? Sponsored by Geico. Steve is intrigued by the paranormal. Otherworldly spirits really make a house a home, you know? Janice has different taste. I'd like my house to not be haunted. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Steve and Janice found a renovated Victorian that's only haunted from 9 to 5. Okay, wife's home. Y'all gotta bounce. Bye, Steve. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, boy, oh, boy. What are we, uh, the penultimate week of March, essentially? Man, time sure is a-flying, and uh, the weather is a-changing, and... (laughs) Uh, heck, summer will be here before we know it. Doesn't it feel like spring doesn't last as long as it used to? I don't know. Is that just me or where it's like, okay, in April, we'll probably have some 30, 40 degree days. And then all of a sudden in May, we'll have a a 92 degree day. (laughs) Yes, but we will enjoy the spring that we do have. Hello. Hi. How the heck are you? Boy, oh boy, I'm excited about today's show because... Well, one of my favorite people will be uh, the guest this week. I sure, sure love this person a lot. Always get a kick hanging out with them. My guest this week uh, is you, of course. Hi. Oh, boy, you look good. I hope you're feeling good as well. Uh, I'm doing uh, fine. Uh, mildly under the weather. If you guys listen to the, the, big, the big show uh, in the mornings, uh, you know that last week Tom was under the weather and uh, Chick even missed a day because he had a cold. Well, guess who was third in line? That's right. Over the weekend, I spent a fair amount of time under a blanket. Uh, nothing major, but I'm just a, I'm a gigantic baby when I'm sick. Uh, I think a lot of guys are. In fact, I read, I read this uh, study one time that that showed that there is like some scientific uh evidence and and like some biological reasons as to why men are so whiny when they're sick and women uh aren't apparently uh the common cold and things like that are harder on men than they are women and i i've always applauded women for being so like dude we've all known moms and wives and stuff who can who they're like they're sick but they it, they really don't miss a beat at all <laughs> it's insane well, apparently, uh, they're not uh, as the study said that they're not as women are not as affected physically by the symptoms of uh, an illness. Um, uh, look, may, that might be the case, but I'm also going to say that when it comes to being sick, men are just whinier. <laughs> uh, in my experience, or whatever, I, I found I know for me, I, I am a giant baby when I'm not. Uh, at homeostasis, I just I can't stand it, and um, I'm still sort of uh, there a little bit. And it's also weird getting a cold in the uh, age of COVID nineteen, where <laughs> you go, okay, is this it? Uh, did I did I did I finally contract it? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, in this and for me in this case, but uh, um, you still go, oh, geez, all right. Anyway. Um, 
yes. So even though I'm a little under the weather, I uh, I'm look. We're gonna have a great time. Well, for many reasons, one of which we have a terrific sponsor this week. Uh, oftentimes, uh, sponsors will seek me out, um, and uh, I will happily push their product, whether it be a cool breeze or a glass of ice water. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, occasionally, and this week is no exception, somebody will introduce me to a sponsor and say, hey, how about you contact so-and-so and maybe talk about them on your show? Well, this is the case this week. Nathan uh, wrote in, and um, uh, he suggested uh, a sponsor. And uh, by gosh, if it isn't the sponsor this week, we, we were able to work it out. This week's sponsor, a roll of tape. And I'm going to tell you why this is an important sponsor. Uh, rolls of tape, I think, are something we take for granted. But if you think about it, when you need tape and you don't have it, man, is that annoying. Let's say you're uh, it's, it's Christmas Eve <laughs> and you're getting ready to wrap presents and all of a sudden uh, you, uh, you realize you don't have any scotch tape or you've got just enough, but then like in the middle of wrapping presents, all of a sudden you're, you're pulling the tape out and it just comes to a dead stop. And you go, oh, I'm at the end. Oh, man, nothing. That is, that's super annoying. Or if you have um, something where it, just a little bit of duct tape would perfectly fix or uh, maybe even just temporarily repair something and you don't have it. It's like, oh, this is so, so annoying. I love tape, and I thank Nathan for getting me in touch with the tape folks because I think a roll of tape is wonderful. I have a secret. You know, this, here's, here's a quick Arnold confession. I, I, I often do this. Um, I love the smell of scotch tape. I don't know what it is. When I pull off some scotch tape, I, I, I'm always, I always have to smell. I love the smell of scotch tape and I like the feel of it as well. I like, uh, well, the tackiness. Oftentimes I'll just put it like a strip on my hand. If the, look, this is, if there's uh scotch tape around, there was scotch tape sitting at my, in my, uh, spot. Uh, on the bo- for the Bob and Tom show, and I I always would tear a strip off and put it on the back of my hand and just sort of rub the smoothness of it. I know it's a weird thing to do, but I can't help it. I love the smell. I love the feel. I love Scotch tape. Uh, there's a particular reason why Nathan loves Scotch tape. He wrote in um, saying that he is a he's a hockey player, a professional no less, and he um, he did not say why he recommended a roll of tape, but I know why. And any of you familiar with hockey, even uh, rudimentarily, <laughs> even just sort of uh, the uh, if you're just a, even just a, a very a new fan or a general, you know that hockey players tape up their sticks and uh, they're always taping things up. So uh, he loves it for that. Uh, oh boy, tape is great. You fix things. It sticks to stuff. It smells good. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you have your favorite tape, whether it be scotch or duct or uh, masking or electrical tape. Electrical tape, I like. Uh, I really like it when used properly. But the problem with electrical tape is if you've ever tried to uh, fudge, so if you're like, okay, I need something. I don't have duct tape, but ah, this electrical tape will probably do. It doesn't always do. It's really just meant for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> electronics and like cables and things it doesn't quite work if you're say trying to uh 
affix something to a wall, or at least in my experience, it just you know it's it, it tends to uh, the tackiness doesn't st- tend to last on things like that. So, but I still love. It. <laughs> oh boy! All right. If you thought that was exciting, wait until uh, the week when our sponsor is Zip Ties. Oh, you guys are going to lose your minds how much I have to say about those. But that's a little farther down the road. Thank you, Roll of Tape, for being our sponsor. And I hope you enjoy a Roll of Tape sometime soon. You know, um, what uh, comes in? Is it, what do we normally do here? Do we do Vocabulary Station and then what I enjoyed? Yes. Boy, episode 24, and I'm... I still, I, I still have no idea. But uh, I am excited about this trip to, uh, well, I, I'll say no more. In fact, let's just hop on board and get right to Vocabulary Station. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Nothing like a nice uh, train. It sounded like uh, <laughs> that that whistle ended in a tunnel, kind of. It had sort of a, that was an interesting effect, Uh I lo- isn't that exciting when you're on a train and you go through a tunnel? Or even uh, do you still get excited as a grown person if you are and if the person if you are an adult? Uh, because I know that I'm huge with the uh, seven to twelve year old demographic. <laughs> but yes, if you're gr- do you still get kind of excited when you have to drive through a tunnel? I do. I like it. Even though there's that fear, like if the tunnel's a little too long, you go, oh man, what happens if either side collapses? And, uh, well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? There's got to be a, I bet there's a specific phobia for, uh, tunnels. I'll have to look that up. But, um, anyway, uh, where the hell were we? Oh, yes, that's right. We, we, we were going to Vocabulary Station and, uh, <laughs> ah, okay. We've just made our way out of the tunnel. We were stopped there for a short break. There was something impeding the track. Um, uh, they, they, they moved it. Um, it was a cow and, uh, the engineer was able to slam on the brakes and uh, stop and remove the cow. By the way, the reason I meant, I say cow is, uh, I also read an article once about, and this is very unpleasant, uh, so I won't get into specifics, uh, but about the astronomical number of cows that are hit by trains. <laughs> so, uh, if you're ever interested, Google that. So... <laughs> Um, Okay, so here we are at Vocabulary Station. Last week, did you have fun with Sprunt? Did you get to use Sprunt uh, at all? Or uh, maybe more more than once? I hope you did. I couldn't remember who uh, supplied me with the the word Sprunt, but I I looked it up. Josh, thank you very much. How did I forget your name? (laughs) So, Josh, thank you again for last week and the word Sprunt. Well... Um, and if for some reason you haven't listened to last week, it's okay. Sometimes some folks like to listen out of order. Uh, the there are many definitions, there are a handful of definitions for sprunt. The best of which, though, is the Scottish definition, which means boys chasing girls around haystacks after dark. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, this is another. This is a wild word today. It's um, look, you're not going to use this one very often, but if you get when you get the chance, I think you're going to enjoy. Having this in your arsenal of uh, words, I know I do. The word is an adjective, and it's renivorous. Renivorous, R-A-N-I-V-O-R-O-U-S. Renivorous. So we all know what carnivorous and uh, 
is or uh, uh, what herbivores are. I mean, you know, I don't think I've ever heard the word herbivorous. Is that how, if you're a carnivore, you're carnivorous. If you're a herbivore, are you herbi- herbivorous? Huh. Anyway, um, ranivorous means, so uh, you can already tell by this that it's going to be about uh, eating. Well, ranivorous means frog eating. <laughs> Isn't it weird? There's a word for that, frog eating. So uh, the other night I went to a very uh, nice restaurant, and uh, as an appetizer I started out, we all shared uh, a big uh, plate, a big serving of uh, frog legs. We were quite the renivorous group at that moment. Man, oh man. So, you know, you could say snakes are renivorous, uh, things like It just means frog eating. Fascinating. Did you know that uh, there was a time in, in American history when folks in certain areas that are uh, mostly desert, they were tired of hunting. Uh, they kind of hunted all, uh, most of the huntable desert animals out of existence. So some, some folks decided to get these gigantic bullfrogs shipped in to these d- desert areas so that they could hunt them. They could gig for them um, because they were kind of out of desert animals. And uh, what ended up happening was <laughs> these bullfrogs took over. They took over. They completely changed and some would say destroyed the ecosystem in some of these de- des- desert areas. And just to- and so... There weren't enough frog hunters to sort of take care take care of it, and they have completely altered the landscape of those areas. And uh, if you look this up, these bullfrogs are they will eat anything. In fact, they are not above cannibalism. So some of these frogs are renivorous. They will eat smaller bullfrogs. But you can find uh, pictures and footage of these things eating snakes, eating giant tarantulas, eating, uh, like I said, other fro- – it's really fairly gnarly, actually, <laughs> what these these frogs are doing. It's crazy. And it's also pretty crazy that there were, like, cowboys at one point that went, we need to hunt some frogs. Let's get these frogs. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, we killed all the coyotes, and uh, so now we're, we're going to get these frogs <laughs> How strange. And I don't know that they were gigging for the meaning. I don't know that they had pointed sticks that they were jabbing the frogs with. They may have been using guns. Um, but that's what a fascinating story with a really uh, unexpected to them result that the bullfrogs would go, hey, we don't mind it out here. And they, <laughs> they totally took over. Anyway, renivorous, a fun word. It just means frog eating. So try to use it sometime. Ask, uh, maybe at home today, ask uh, your kids, just go, hey, what animals are most renivorous? And if they go, well, what does that mean? Just go, well, look it up, and then we'll talk about it. Make them, make them get out the, uh, get online or get out the dictionary. <laughs> I think you may enjoy that. You know what I enjoyed this week? Many things, but I'm going to tell you specifically about what I enjoyed this week. <laughs> Will you look at this bullfrog? Oh, Look at him walking out of the saloon there with his 10-gallon hat on. Where are you going, bullfrog? Will you get out of this desert? 
Haven't you eaten enough of the local wildlife? Go back. Go where there's water. Don't don't you need water? <laughs> and if you're not picturing this bullfrog walking on uh, its hind legs, uh, then you're not doing it right. If you think it's just a regular frog hopping like a frog, no, no, no. This thing is strutting down the street. Look at that. His cowboy hat on. His six shooter in that belt there. <laughs> I would pay good money to watch a movie called Cowboy Bullfrogs. In fact, I may I may write it so I don't have to pay to watch it. In fact, I'll get paid for it to be a thing. Frogs in the West. Frogs in the Old West. Ah, oh, Pixar, give me a call. So, what I mean, I enjoyed a lot of things this week. I, I've, I've been catching up on a lot of movies. I know it probably seems like I watch movies all the time. And uh, I I, prob- I may watch more movies than, than most. But uh, there have been, I haven't. A lot of the current stuff I hadn't seen, so I watched, um, oh, Promising Young Woman, which I liked, and uh, Nomadland, which I loved, and uh, Pat Godwin and Chick McGee had seen it, and they hate it. And if you listen to the the big morning show, you may, may know that they hated it. I completely disagree with those fellows. I loved it, and <laughs> uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. it, it really... Uh, it hit me hard, and I I, I cried, and uh, I boy I I loved that movie, and the text exchange that Godwin Chick and I had when I I wrote them and I said, hey fellas, look, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this. I thought Nomad Land was wonderful, and I couldn't have loved it more. And <laughs> the subsequent beating I took by from those two. <laughs> uh, I wish I, 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 I'm a text deleter. I delete uh, texts pretty much as, as, as soon as I respond to them or whatever, I just get rid of the whole conversation. So I don't have the uh, transcript of it, but uh, Pat and Chick do because we've been laughing about it for a few days now. And uh, <clears throat> maybe I'll try to get that exchange and post it somewhere or, or something. Or maybe next week I'll just tell you exactly what was said. But uh, yeah, they, they boy did they let me have it for liking that movie. Well, the one I wanted to talk to you about though is an old an oldie, and uh, you guys know that I love my Turner Classic movies, and I I've been catching up on a lot of classics. Well, this is one that I had seen long, long ago. I mean, a long time ago, twenty plus years, and I thought it was yeah okay yeah that was good. And then I revisited it over the weekend, and I no 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 this isn't good. This is one of the greatest movies ever made, and. <laughs> Uh, uh, it, boy, if you don't like movies in black and white and stuff like that, uh, I, I maybe it takes practice. I don't know because I remember hating them as a kid. Just the idea that it was old or something, I always kind of assumed. Well, then I it, I can't relate to it or anything like that. And it's just not true, or that it won't be exciting or it'll be boring. Uh, okay, older movies tend to be slower paced, but. This one is as fast-paced as anything that you'll see in, in a cinema this summer. I mean, it's... Oh, I might as well tell you what it is. It's called, uh, and many of you have seen it, The Third Man. The Third Man. Came out in 49, and it's just a classic uh, mystery thriller film noir directed by Carol Reed, written by the wonderful novelist and screenwriter Graham Greene, who, who's I've read a couple of his books and just love them, and starring Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles and, uh, well, one of the top femme fatales of her day, 
Valley or Alita Valley, but she went by Valley, just her last name for a while. Uh, it's just an awesome movie. A writer uh, travels to um, tra- to to see his friend, uh, and w- as soon as he gets there, he's gonna he's gonna start doing a kind of working for his friend. And as soon as he gets there, the friend's not answering the door, and he finds out that the guy died, that his friend uh, had died like uh, a couple days before he he had been hit by a car. And, and you go, okay, well, how did this guy not know? Well, in forty nine. Uh, they uh, he would they would have had to have written him a letter overseas because uh, it's in uh, the friend was in Vienna he had to travel all the way to to uh, Vienna for this and uh, he wouldn't have there's a good chance that a phone call wasn't made and all that stuff so uh, he finds out he's dead and then he's tr- and then he sort of gets in, embroiled in finding out who who killed the, uh, the friend and that's I'm not going to tell you anything else from there except that. It's so wonderfully acted, so wonderfully filmed. I'm telling you, black and white has never been more beautiful in this. The shadows and the light and the the framing of every shot is just gorgeous. And it's um, it really is one of the greatest movies ever made in terms of look and feel. And uh, I, I really think you might find it uh, pretty exciting. Give it a shot. The Third Man. Oh, just a classic. And if you've seen it, you know. But uh, I, hey, look, if you saw it and you didn't care for it, that's all right. Um, maybe a second viewing, you'll you'll like it a little bit more. Or maybe you don't need it. Maybe you went, no, I, I kind of don't like it. So <laughs> anyway, I boy, I sure got a, a thrill out of it. The Third Man. Great stuff. Um, last week or the week before, something like that, we were discussing on the the morning show, embarrassing photos. And I uh, went through some photos and I found a few embarrassing pics and sent them to Chris Spangle, our social media director. And I don't know if he's gotten uh, all of them out yet or not in terms of, I know he uh, put out Allsman's and Jess Hooker's and uh, Ace. I know they all have their embarrassing photos out. One of them that I sent Pat, or (laughs) Chris Spangle, um, sorry, I had Godwin on the mind there for a second uh, because I figured he would be, uh, I'm sure he's got so many great stories and stuff that he must have some terrific photos of him out there. So um, one of the pictures I sent Spangle was of, uh, it was one of my senior photos. And I guess when you take senior pictures, I had forgotten this until I re- until I just found them uh, looking for embarrassing pics that you changed outfits like you would wear. You'd get dressed up for one picture, and then you'd wear sort of casual the next, um, oftentimes next to very large numbers uh, denoting what year you were graduating. So it's like me uh, leaning on a giant 96, (laughs) kind of dorky or whatever, but everybody did it. And um, you also, you could take pictures in your like football uniform or your uh, cheerleading uniform, whatever. Just to show, hey, this is as a senior. This, these were some of the things I was doing, and uh, I got a photo of me in my show choir outfit. That's right, I was in show choir. Premiere was the name of it, and um, and uh, looking upon it, it's kind of embarrassing what we were wearing. Um, look, they worked for what we were doing. We were a we were the show choir. We would sing and dance and perform, and so we. 
I guess the idea was to look flashy and uh, uh, sort of Vegasy or whatever. And so we wore these sequenced vests um, and bow ties and tuxedo pants and a tuxedo shirt, uh, complete with uh, cufflinks and all that. And the uh, buttons that you don't use the white buttons on the shirt. You use those uh, like tuxedo button things that go in. They're kind of like cufflinks, but... <laughs> And the colors that were chosen was, it was fuchsia. So it was like this very bright pink, glittery looking, shiny vest. And bo- and uh, anyway, I thought some of you guys, uh, some of the listeners would get a kick out of seeing me in that sort of get up. And so, um, in fact, I haven't been on Instagram, but I think I may go on there and just really quickly post that and then get off again um, for so that uh, you guys can see what I'm talking about. I will do that. And... Uh, Oh, boy. Uh, but it got me thinking, and some of you have written in asking about my days with the show choir. It got me thinking about being in show choir. And it, it's weird because I have uh, conflicting feelings now. Back when I was doing it, it when I was in high school, I started uh, as a freshman. My, my high school was interesting. It was brand new. So my class, were, we were the first students to go to this high school. Um, my older brother, when he went to high school, he had to travel like 30 minutes away. Uh, that was like the nearest high school to us in our school district. And so he would, uh, take the bus or drive, you know, that far when he, but they finally built this one closer to, uh, our house and my class was the first to be in there. So it started as, uh, ninth yeah. Okay. So it was weird. No, my junior high was abnormal in that it was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and then you went to high school tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Well, most high schools, as I'm sure many of you know, were freshmen through senior, so nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So I went to my junior high for two years, and then when uh, ninth grade rolled around, we moved to this brand new high school. So it was just us. You know what? I am lying to you. I just okay. Here's exactly what happened. We were sophomores when we moved into the new high school. So I did have three years at that junior high. And then uh, when we, when I was in 10th grade, the new high school opened. So it was uh, it was sophomores and freshmen only. So I was an upperclassman uh, all through high school. I remember some teachers giving us a hard time going, you guys don't know what it's like to have seniors uh, picking on you and or who, who to look up to and all this stuff. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> So uh, the the class of 96 and 95 were really close in terms of uh, everybody was sort of friends. It didn't matter that somebody was in 10th grade or somebody was in 9th grade. So anyway, the uh, show choir, um, that first year, my sophomore year, I, I wasn't, I, I loved uh, acting and plays and stuff, but I wasn't too interested in uh, the singing and dancing. I, I had been in chorus um, and musicals and things, but it just wasn't. Uh, to- so I decided to go out for for uh, the crew, the stage crew, tech crew is what we called it. My uh, one of my best friends at the time, Brian Arnold, no relation. He and I uh, auditioned to be tech crew for the show choir, and a lot of my other best friends were auditioning to be singers and dancers. Well, everybody that auditioned uh, uh, made it. There were, I don't know, boy, I'm going to say 
12 couples or 20, something like that. So, uh, no, there had to have been less. It was probably about 12. And so, um, uh, and it worked out to where everybody was, according to the director of the show choir, a great guy named Mr. Blaylock, he decided, hey, let's everybody's in. And so Brian and I made the tech crew. And so we ran lights and sound for all the shows and all the rehearsals and all that stuff. And uh, that was my first year in show choir. Well, the director knew that I was a performer in plays and all that stuff. And all my friends were uh, in the show choir. And they all sort of talked to me about auditioning to be a um, performer in, in, in the show choir. And I thought, ah, man, it does seem like fun, huh? You get to dance with these girls and uh, joke around, and because uh, on the tech crew we were we were fairly separated. We were always up in these giant catwalks uh, in, at the theater of our, our school, and uh, we were up there in the lighting booth and the sound booth and near the spotlights and all that stuff. And everybody else was down on stage and in between rehearsing. There'd be, you know, they were all joking around down there. And Brian and I had a great. We were always joking around, but. Uh, I kind of wanted to be more part of the, all the fun and uh, and the flirting and the joking, of, namely. So, real quick, a quick aside uh, about the catwalk. We, uh, one time, <laughs> I'm surprised that we were able to kind of talk our teachers into letting us do this, but we, uh, I was MC of the talent show every year I was in high school uh, with my, uh, 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 one of my best friends, Nick. Uh, I, I was best man in his wedding. He and I co-hosted with a few others in later years uh, the uh, <laughs> talent shows. And one year, the first year, I said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we thank the tech crew, Brian and the guys, and we talk about how what a professional and good job they're doing, and then we drop a dummy from the catwalk ceiling, <laughs> which was way high up. Like if you've ever been in a giant theater or auditorium, Look, if you fell from the and so we we're like, yeah, somebody could throw a dummy dressed as one of the tech crew, and it would fall, and then we would just kind of stand there awkwardly, like, oh, I guess they're not as professional as we thought. <laughs> well, we were we were given the okay to do this, and so during one rehearsal, which was after school, uh, we are we're running through this, and uh, uh, <laughs> Brian up in the uh, catwalk screams and throws the dummy over the ledge. Just as the Palm Squad is entering <laughs> the area. And so all the Palm Squad heard was, and it was, so it was like 25 girls or whatever. All they heard was this scream, and then they saw a body drop, drop from the catwalk and hit a table crazy violently and then hit the floor and... Three of the girls, I'll never forget, they, all the girls screamed because they thought they had just witnessed somebody actually falling. And three of them not only screamed, they dropped to their knees <laughs> and covered their eyes. And I couldn't stand it. I, I, I was laughing so hard about all of it. I also have to tell you, one of my favorite things in comedy is when a dummy is thrown off something. So if, if you ever see old, old like Benny Hills, where the editing is real rough and like he's running and then all of a sudden it cuts and then they show a dummy falling off a cliff and it's just ragged and uh, a raggedy and just hitting the, 
Or uh, Married with Children is also great at it, too. You'll hear Al Bundy scream, and then you'll see a dummy fall just so loosely and awkwardly uh, in the background or whatever. <laughs> so I was laughing at at the, the the way the dummy looked and just the perfect timing of these poor girls thinking they had just witnessed the death. <laughs> and, uh, boy, man, they were not happy. They They didn't think me laughing was funny. They didn't think... They they were mad. They were upset. They were uh, <laughs> rightfully upset. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. So uh, so I I went all right. Yeah, maybe I will audition to be part of the choir itself, dance and sing. Uh, but if I don't make it, can I still be on Tech Crew? And the director said, No, no, no. If you if you audition and you don't make it, you're just out. And I went all right. That's um, strict but fair, or whatever. <laughs> And I went, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I think I can make it. I think I can audition. And because the director also made it pretty clear that, like, he, oh, by the way, you had to audition every year. If you were in show choir in, as a freshman, you weren't necessarily in it as a sophomore. You had to audition. So there was this giant fear over the whole group that, oh, man, what if somebody doesn't make it and the rest of us do and all this stuff? So anyway, I auditioned and made it. And uh, everybody made it. It, he, it was. Uh, one of those things where he added to the group and he didn't take anybody away. So I became a singer-dancer with Premier my junior year, and then I made it again in my senior year. Um, and uh, <laughs> at the time, I, I enjoyed being surrounded by my friends and uh, all the joking we did and the traveling. We got to travel to Chicago and New York City and Toronto and uh, uh, all this, but I don't. I don't think I liked the performing that much. First off, um, and I don't think it. It took me a little while to realize this, like w- like well after I graduated high school to go. I don't think I really liked it. I liked the uh, camaraderie, and I liked all the perks that went along with being in. And by the way, the show choir here. Like the girl, a lot of the guys were some of the most popular guys in school, and a lot of the girls were some of the hottest and most popular girls in school. And uh, I fell. I think I've told you guys this before that I, I was sort of a social butterfly. I could uh, I could hang with the cool kids because I made them laugh, but I wasn't athletic and I wasn't uh, the hottest dude. Um, and I got pretty good grades, so. I was also kind of a nerd, so I could hang with the nerds as well. They didn't feel out of place talking to me, so whatever. And, and I've told you that my buddy Jeff Wesselsmith, when I was tell, he asked me if I was cool in school, I said, well, I wasn't popular, but I wasn't a nerd. I could kind of hang out with everybody, and his classic line was, well, sounds like nerd talk to me. <laughs> Essentially saying that I'm a nerd, just trying to defend uh, myself or whatever. So, um, but it was true. I, I was... I think I was well liked in school because I was f- funny and uh, um, and a, a pretty nice guy. So that that uh, that got me fairly far socially. And, and so anyway, I liked all that stuff. But I I the rehearsals were taken so seriously, and I get it. We we were supposed to do a good job, and but looking back at some of like the uh, come on guys. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> well, not really. What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I And I know a lot of my friends disagree with me to this day who are in that show choir. 
Like, no, no, we wanted to do a good job and we wanted it to be uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a nice performance. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we were getting yelled at in rehearsal and uh, I, I don't know. It just seems <laughs> it seems a little silly. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe that's how some of these things go as you get older. The stuff I mean, this is obvious, but the stuff that you thought was really, really important in high school. How much of that is really that important to you now? I mean, b- besides the fact that you're not around the same people in 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 the same sort of situations, uh, but boy, when you're when you're in that, when you're there, when you're that age, and you're, I mean, try to tell a 16 year old that what they're going through now won't matter to them in 10 years. It's impossible to believe because I've had that. To- I had that told me to me, you know. Hey, you know, that girl doesn't like you, and I know you're heartbroken now, but pretty soon you won't even remember it. And, uh, okay, but right now it feels like I'm dying. <laughs> so so that advice isn't really that good. Like, uh, um, I would never. First off, there are a couple things that I decided that I would never do to my nieces or my kids uh, when I have them. I do plan on having kids at some point, and whether they, they be stepkids or my own, whatever. I mean, if I had stepkids, trust me, they would be my own. But it, meaning that I would, that's exactly how I would love them. But uh, you know what I mean, biological, st- what, whatever. I, I decided that I would never say to them uh, that, hey, it's not that, it's not as bad as you think. And I will also not say to them, these are the best time, this is the best time of your life. That was told to me so many times by not really my parents, but by just other people, uh, aunts and uncles or friends of the family. They just go, hey, these are the greatest days you'll ever have. Uh, cherish them. You know, never work. Ah, boy, can we can we really all look back at junior high and high school and go, yeah, those were the best days I ever had? I, I get what they're saying. They're saying your responsibilities are less uh, than they than what they will be. Um, you've got your whole life ahead of you. You, the decisions you make now aren't, uh, as maybe they're not as detrimental as they could be at another time. You, you can, uh, you're out having fun. You're learning, you're, you're exploring new things in the world. I get why somebody would be inclined to tell a young person that these are the best days of your life. But I think uh, I do not think that the, I don't think that rings very true to the young person. I think they go, "Are you kidding me? I have to get. I have to. I, I, I have to go to school. Everything I do is pretty much. I, I have to do chores. I have to do my homework. I'm not allowed to stay out or stay up as long as I want or as late as I want. I mean, there are so many rules, and so I, I think they're going. You're nuts, and." Uh, look, I don't want to be uh, another uh, – I don't mean to be another person bringing up this point because I, I think you've probably heard this said ad nauseum. I think it's way harder. that My generation might be the first – and I guess I'm technically Gen X – but might be the um, first generation that can honestly say uh, uh, the kids now have it harder than we did. And I, I truly believe that. I, um, for as much as I also like to joke about millennials, uh, I, I truly feel that because of the introduction of the internet and social media, being a kid now is harder than when I was in school. 
Because when I was in school, if I had a bad day, let's say somebody picked on me or uh, a teacher uh, gave me a raw deal on a grade or anything, just a bad day, I could go home and not worry about it. But what do a lot of kids do now when they go home? They get online and they check their Facebook and their Instagram and they are either seeing what uh, the folks on what their friends are posting, which tend to be um, happier and not not totally reflective of everything they're going through. You know what I mean? You can you can go to somebody's page and go, wow, they went to the beach and there they are smiling with friends. And oh, there she is hugging her boyfriend. What a great life. Well, they're leaving out the crap that you're dealing with at the same time. You know what? So and maybe they're even getting the bullying doesn't stop online. They're picked on at school and they go home and they open up their page and there are, uh, you know, three nasty comments on their wall. What a bummer. They can't escape it. So I I think it is a little harder for uh, youth today than it was for us. Um, my point I've completely lost, but <laughs> oh, I, it all goes back to you know people telling me either either making me believe, trying to make me believe that my days in high school were the best of my life, or um. So it's almost like, which is it? I'm getting conflicting advice here. These are either the greatest days of my life, which would inherently mean I'll never forget them and I'll always look back on them as being important and uh, mattering a lot. Or at the same time, and at the same time I was being told, um, well, look, your problems today don't really matter. That They won't matter to you later. All right. Well, which is it? It's either the greatest or it won't matter. <laughs> And I know there's a difference there. They're trying to tell me to have fun. And they're also saying, hey, don't sweat some of this stuff. It's 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 not as bad as you think. And to a, to a certain degree, both of those points are fair. They are. But they, they do not ring as true to the person you're talking to. So just be maybe be mindful of what they're going through. I say what I like to do, and this isn't easy, as parents, uh, as you parents of teenagers know, um, I, I only know this from uh, friends, kids, and my uh, niece, niece and nephew who are older, uh, two, a couple nephews and niece. My other nieces are way young. I don't have to worry about this yet. But I really like hearing about them. I don't, I, I, I don't have any real interest in uh, giving advice to uh, a teenager unless if they were to ask for it. Or, you know, obviously, if they wanted some guidance or they wanted a little reassurance or advice, I'm happy to do that. But otherwise, I want to hear about what they're doing and how they are. And and the reason I said that this this can be hard is because teenagers aren't the most vocal uh, oftentimes. They don't they don't really care to share with you. But but what my goal is as an uncle, as a friend and as a as a future parent is to not give them the impression that I have no idea what it feels like and that I've forgotten what they're going through, that kind of thing. And uh, I bet that's hard, man, especially your kid. I mean, if your kid is hurting in some way, if they're being picked on or if they're unhappy for for whatever reason, or maybe they didn't make uh, the football team or, or the Palm Squad, whatever, that's got to be 
that has to really hurt as a mom or a dad. I, 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 I don't know. That's that's got to be uh, tough. And so, so the easiest and quickest thing that may come to your mind is, hey, you're going to get over this. Don't worry about it. Or don't don't worry about not making the team. Try to focus on the other stuff because these are the best days of your life. So I think there are definite reasons why those sort of cliches get thrown around. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's Those are hard pitfalls to avoid, I think. And, uh, <laughs> and I certainly don't want you to think that I'm an expert on any of this. These are just sort of my feelings now. And again, I, I'm not a parent. So uh, when I have kids, maybe my feelings will totally change on this matter. But um, it's just interesting. I mean, when I look back at Show Choir now, I go, in my head, I go, that should have been more fun than it was. I think we kind of made it less fun by taking it so seriously. So um, the time we weren't performing were a lot of fun. The shows, I there were also little things too that I just couldn't, I that I, I don't know, I, they just weren't for me. We Anytime we'd fly, like if we flew to uh, New York City for our trip or Toronto or whatever, <laughs> inevitably – the stewardess would get on the uh, intercom system and go, well, we have a very special group here with us today. It's the, the premier show choir from Rockwood Summit High School, and they're going to sing a little song for all of you. And in my head, I'm going, all right. You think those two businessmen over there worrying about the meeting that they're going to ha- care about this? at all? Do you think they want this? Do you think that lady enjoying her book wants th- Who wants this? And I'll be honest, a lot of people seemed pleased with uh, our little performances on the planes, and we would get applause or whatever. But I sure, I didn't care for it I, because, <laughs> and maybe I'm, I'm just being a jerk. I think if I were on a plane now and I was in a bad mood, the last thing I'd want to hear is some <laughs> school choir singing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would enjoy it. I, you know what? I, I think. I think I am kind of playing up the grouchiness here. I, when stuff like that happens, um, I uh, look. I cry when I go to my niece's Christmas Christmas recitals, and so I, I, there's a chance I'm totally full of it here. But I do remember one time uh, we were asked to sing a song on the on an airplane, and uh, we couldn't do our faster numbers. Of course, it wouldn't make sense for us to uh, sing these really upbeat numbers like stuff that where we did all these uh, elaborate dance moves and stuff, too. So we would do our the slower songs, the songs that would... Uh... <laughs> so if you were to go see a premiere show, here's what would happen. It would be like a really... We'd open up with a really upbeat number, uh, like we did Taking Care of Business, and we did uh, Turn the Beat Around, and... Um, oh, man, what is that... So, what's that Bob Seger song from... Uh, Shakedown, if you remember that one from the 80s. Shakedown, breakdown, take. <laughs> so we would do these, and then the lights would dim, and we would all uh, sit on the risers that were on stage in sort of different poses, uh, very stoically, and we would sing a slow number. Well, that's one of the numbers we did on an air, on a flight one time. And I'm not joking, the song was James Taylor's Fire and Rain, which is about a plane crash. That's right. We were on a crowded flight singing a song about 
a plane that went down and killed the lover of, uh, at the very least, the narrator of that song. Not, I mean, not to mention it was a true story of James Taylor's. But uh, <laughs> looking back, I go, who thought that was a good idea? And I really wish somebody, some adult, who was just flying on that plane during the middle of that song would have stood up and gone, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> You know what that song's about, right? <laughs> There's a lyric that says, uh, flying machines in pieces on the ground. Don't do this one. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I, I tell you what, though. When you're 17, 18, um, and uh, you're a male... And you have the opportunity to dance with some of the hottest girls in your school. <laughs> um, do it. <laughs> that was really, really fun. It was, re I mean, just flirting with, and it was great. The, some of the girls would, uh, and, and guys were items. They, they were boyfriend and girlfriend and um Sometimes uh, they would break up, and that would have there would be drama in the show choir room that day. I tell you, and uh, sometimes they'd get back together. Sometimes, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I remember one uh, particular incident. Uh, a couple broke up in show choir, and the next day, that girl was with another guy in show choir, and uh, ooh, let the gossip begin. That. Uh, <laughs> I was actually sort of uh, part of one of these things. I was, uh, through most of my high school, I was uh, what I thought, I thought I uh, at the time, in love, just in love with this girl. I mean, crazy about her. And um, what would happen? And one of the reasons that, that uh, I, well, <laughs> um one of the reasons I spent most of my high school pining over this girl and not dating other girls, uh, which was the case, is because what would happen is um, I would show a lot of interest in her and pretty much tell her, hey, why don't we go out? Um, I, I'd be a great boyfriend and all this stuff. And she would say, no, no. And so I would back off. And every time I backed off, she would come on strong. She would... Uh, write me notes and call and and uh, flirt and uh, you know put her hand on my knee or my shoulder you know I mean and I went oh my gosh it, it, this is going to happen now she really does like me and I would say hey why don't we and she would say no I'm not interested <laughs> and so this this cycle happened um, uh, for a good four years and by the way I'm I am not I have I hold no ill will towards her at all. Not, not at all. In fact, I hold her in high esteem. She was a really talented singer, and she was funny, and she was uh, a great actress. And I hope uh, that she's, wherever she is, is living a wonderful life. I didn't know what I was doing. There were times where I would come on too strong, you know, and I don't mean um, aggressive in like a physical way. It was more like... Uh, uh, I can't live without you, that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, just dramatic crap or whatever. Uh, nothing morose, but just really, uh, just sort of, just too strong for a girl in high school. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, 
and I think I do think that she really wanted to like me. I do. I think that she wished that she were attracted to me or had feelings for me, whatever. But she just wasn't. And I do think there were times where she tried to be. But anyway, guess what she ended up doing uh, one year? Well, she started dating Brian Arnold, my best friend at the time. And uh, I would have to see them every day. <laughs> By the way, that catch in my voice just now was a laugh. It was not. Uh, it was not a. a uh, it wasn't crying. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and we would uh, we would go on these trips, and I would see them cuddling on the bus or the plane or whatever. And uh, I told Brian was a he was a he's a great dude. And uh, this matter, I guess back then, he called me, and he said, "Hey." Uh, she really likes me, and uh, if you don't want me to date her, I won't. But I do like her, and I would like to. But I will not do it if it's going to uh, affect our friendship. And I said, ah, Brian, look, man, um, no, do it. She doesn't like me. Yes, I like her, but she doesn't like me. She likes you, and I'm and I am not going to get in the way of some of whatever you guys may have. So please do it, but. I, I, I do want to be honest, this is going to sting, and there may be times where I um, don't want to be around it. I'm just letting you know, and uh, he said, yes, of course. So everything ended up being um, fine. The only thing I, I have regrets on that is there were other girls I liked too, but I didn't follow through on it, and uh, I, I kind of regret that. I would have liked to have dated more girls in, in high school. I think it would have been a lot, I think it would have been fun, and they were really cool and uh you know now if they were to call me if somebody were to call and say hey we're having a premiere reunion um and uh, we're hoping everybody attends i would happily attend because as much as i look back and go i didn't really enjoy it as much as i should have um, I think we took it a little too seriously. I think some people uh, who were in it uh, took it way too seriously. <laughs> and uh, the the yelling and criticisms and stuff didn't have to happen. We could have had a lot more fun. <laughs> um, uh, but they were all good people. And uh, I would go back and have some laughs and share some memories. And I would be br- I would be brutally honest and go, you know what? We took this crap way too seriously. And again, and it would cause, uh, I think, some playful debate. Ah, I hope that you guys have, uh, you know, that you're able to kind of look back and uh, look back fondly on a lot of these things, uh, whether they be classes you had or extracurricular activities or teams you were on or any of that, because... um, High school uh, can be really unpleasant, and it can also be uh, some of the most fun you'll have. And that might be the message to tell a young person, not one or the other. But, hey, this is going to suck, and it's also going to be awesome. (laughs) So just do your best every day and uh, encourage them. In fact, I, I had a lot of encouragement growing up. From my my family, my parents, and grandparents, and friends, telling me, "Hey, go try out for the show choir. Um, go, uh, you're you you do you're a good little actor. Uh, try out for these audition for these plays. 
and uh, MC the talent show and all that stuff. I, I was really encouraged. And um, I was also encouraged to do other things. Uh, I, I signed up for the football team one year and quickly realized, you know what? I am I'm simply not good at this. <laughs> and I was even encouraged by some to quit certain things. Uh, meaning, hey, look, you're not that great at this. Um, why not uh, put those put that effort into uh, double up your efforts in what you're good at? My dad told me that one time. He goes, "Look, you get you really did try. You tried at the this sport or that sport or whatever, and it didn't work out. There's no shame in that at all because you tried and you and you tried hard. And uh, boy, that really means a lot to me even now. So I say uh, that we should make this what to work on this week." Ah, yes. Boy. This <laughs> this is a song that would open up a premiere show for sure. I don't know if this if this little thing has lyrics or not. But we would come out and uh, jazz hands it up. And I tell you what, our parents and grandparents, they couldn't have been more thrilled. They sure loved our, our shows. <laughs> very, very sweet. And encouraging, and that's what we should work on this week. I would like. I think you're. I think you're going to have fun with this. I'm looking forward to doing this, and I'm sure you do this uh, anyway. But I'm looking forward to. Uh, and I, I know I do. I'm looking forward to doing it more this week. Encourage someone. Encourage uh, one of your kids or your spouse or uh, uh, whoever you're in a relationship with or a coworker or something. First off, find out a little bit about what they're interested in. You probably already know. But kind of follow up on that. Just go, hey, you know, one time you mentioned uh, forensic science uh, because we were watching uh, one of those crime shows together and you said that that would be an interesting show. Have you put any more thought into that? And then, uh, depending on what they say, encourage them. Encur- oh, you know what? Uh, good for you. I really hope that you explore this more. I think you'd be great at it. And uh, I think you'd have you'd really enjoy it. And it wouldn't feel like a job to you because you'd love it so much. And you can even do the opposite. Thinking, you know what? I kind of fell out of uh, my interest in that waned, and I'm, I'm not too. Uh, just go. Okay. Well, look. Keep looking. Don't worry. Uh, th- that's okay. That, that that you've decided that's not the way you want to go. I know you're going to find your path, and uh, it's going to be terrific. Just just give somebody a little encouragement this week. Encourage them to try something that they've that you know they've wanted to try, or to continue with something that they're having difficulty in, but they they do want to do. Uh, they'll really appreciate it, and I think you'll feel really good uh, doing that because you know how good it feels to be encouraged. So, next week uh, is the 25th episode of that Josh Arnold podcast, and uh, I hope what what is a what is 25? What do you think 25 anniversary is? I hope that you will bring me paper or wood or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the anniversary is. Uh, I've also been getting a lot of emails about how this show uh, tends to end really abruptly and how I should probably, probably like have a song or try to figure out uh, some good way to end it. Bye!